This time on Grown Up Punk, we got ourselves another interview. Hey, welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. This time around, Aaron's got another interview, uh, this time with a guy by the name of John Ladd. You may uh, recognize him, be familiar with him from such bands as 710 Split, as well as Courage Dear Heart. So we're going to get to that in just a moment, but real quick uh, off the top here, I'm just going to give you you know, the, the, those important things, the social networking stuff. You can find us basically anywhere. We're on Facebook, just look up Growing Up Punk, uh, on Twitter and Instagram as well. Twitter is at Growing Punk Pod, and Instagram is at Growing Up Punk. You can follow myself on Twitter and Instagram at David Growing Up, and Aaron, whom you're going to hear in a moment here, uh, you can find him on Instagram at Aaron grew up punk uh, wherever you're listening to the show i mean this may be your first time and, and i'm asking you to rate and review it and you haven't even heard the episode yet but you know the business you can find us wherever you can find podcasts rate and review and uh, for our regular episodes this is kind of a new thing i'll get this out of the way real quick you can find us on youtube but the regular episodes will be lacking the uh the music from these artists that we are talking about or talking to uh, so if you want to hear the full experience make sure you're listening to us on your favorite podcast app anyway Without further ado, this is Aaron, my buddy Aaron, grown up punk, right here chatting with John Ladd from 710 Split, Encourage Dear Heart. So why don't you kind of start with just kind of walking us through, um, you know, kind of how you got into music, you know, how old were you, maybe what were some of the really influential things going on in your life, and what were some of the bands that kind of first grabbed your attention? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man, it's crazy. There's, um, you know, we all, you know, it's funny when you hear these stories because certain people, it's funny, some people get into music like way earlier <laughs> than some others like i've had friends that were like oh yeah i was i was choosing my favorite bands in third grade and whatnot and I, for some reason i don't i remember being more drawn to it around yeah middle school time you know like like yeah. sixth grade or so sixth seventh grade or something like that yeah and we grew up in the uh <clears throat> i grew up in the church scene down here but back in the day uh where it seemed like there was always like christian versions of you know the 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 bands that all my friends liked, you know, yeah. and we went to a pretty strict church that would, you know, um, that, that, that 
you know, would really push only Christian music at all mm. alone. So I heard from kids at the school, they're like, Oh, you gotta, you gotta check out this band, this band. I do my best, you know, then I to go find the Christian alternative. So my mom would let me you know, listen to them. Yeah. So, so maybe in sixth grade, I, I was, it was interesting. There was two bands that, that I remember finding off the top of my head. Um, one of them was Petra. If you remember nice. them back in the oh, day, man. love it. Yeah. And then there was another band called one bad pig. Yeah, and they were they were leaning in back then. They were leaning into the skate thrash scene, maybe like skate punk scene a little bit more, like that early '90s version of it. Yeah, um, so it was coming out of like some of the like thrash scene, not quite like melodic punk stuff. Um, uh, and then so I got into them, and I thought they were awesome because they they were real cartoony. All their shirts had like you know, this like crazy looking pig busting through stained glass windows yeah, and stuff like that, that. <laughs> on a skateboard, you know? So it, uh, it always seemed like a band that like, uh, the, the school bus driver on the Simpsons would, Simpsons would listen to, you know, yeah. that kind of band. Oh, yeah, so, <laughs> um, but I, I remember liking both those bands, but for some reason, like one bad pigs, like they're the way they're presenting themselves. I kind of related to that it was a little more fun. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I really like that. And then <clears throat> through getting a little older and whatnot, um, I remember getting eventually into, I guess, jumping up into high school time, um, eventually hearing about, I don't remember the first time I actually heard about it was, but was MXPX was the, uh, was that blue, uh, the very first one. So it's punk- yeah. Right. Right. And so <clears throat> I remember people being like, Oh yeah, check this out in the Christian season at that time. For me, Tooth and Nail was actually like not really doing the Christian version of these other bands. I felt there's a lot of unique stuff. There's a lot of non-Christian kids getting into, you know, uh, stuff on Tooth and Nail and, and yeah. Solid State because they were respecting it as like a different kind, of, like a unique feeling and sound. So then back in the day, it felt like they were finding bands, you know, like, like organically, you yeah. know, and not, and not just finding the manufactured versions of, of uh, Christian manufactured versions of non-Christian bands. Right. Maybe that, that story changed for that label later, but I'm just saying at the beginning, I remember feeling it was very unique kind of feeling. Yeah. Um, and so much. So I remember in my, uh, 12th grade, my senior year, I had, I, when I had the, uh, I went and bought the, uh, I think it was the Poconacha CD, or maybe at that point it was the one after that, which would have been Teenage Politics. Right. One of the one of those two I remember having at my desk at my school, and I went to a Christian school. It was, a, it was actually an independent Baptist church, not Southern Baptist. It was even like more strict than that. So it was independent wow. Baptist. So it was independent Baptist. Like it was too much for the Southern Baptist. Like <laughs> they, they went independent. So, um, they, the teacher, I'm sorry, the te- yeah, the teacher came by my desk and saw me like looking at the album artwork and she took the, <laughs> took it away. Nice. And she was like, she was <laughs> like, you, you know, you can't, you, you know, you can't have the, you know, non-Christian music at school. And I was like, well, but wait, that's, that's, that's some XPX. I swear they're Christian kids. I think from what I know. Yeah. Anyways, at the end of school, she came back to me that day. And she gave it to me because I read some of their lyrics and they seem fine. Uh, I just wish they didn't look so worldly. <laughs> That's what she told me. <laughs> oh man! So, so I was like, and I and then I asked her. This is I was just being a little bit of, you know, a jerk. I asked her. Uh, I said, but 
isn't the most worldly thing you could wear would be like a suit and tie because that's what most people are wearing when they're committing certain atrocities. Right. <laughs> she was like, I think I got detentions. I don't remember what, <laughs> but she didn't. That was just a question, but she got mad that I asked the question. Yeah. Man, but. that's yeah, it's so classic. You know, we've heard that similar story so many times, and I remember being at a store and wanting to get teenage politics, and my mom looking at the cover, and just based off of that, which is like not, it's not like it's offensive in any way, but for whatever reason, that character, she was like, ah, maybe not that one. So I, yeah. waited, I waited a few years and got it anyways, but <laughs> yeah, it's you know, not to jump too far ahead, but actually, my uh, the business I own now, it's called Terminus Tees. One of our our like mascot is this crazy looking peach guy because we're from Georgia. And so that's like the state uh, fruit, or at least I think it is. Anyway, uh, the our character has that. Not It doesn't look just like him, but it's got like one big eye, one small eye, kind of kind of kind of crooked smile. So it's kind of like there's some influence there, yeah. even on our, on our like logo. But um, I guess to rewind back, also when I was in that senior year, um, it was like coming out of, you know, a lot of the bands sounding very – you know, it was the mid. I graduated in '96. So I'm a little older than you know. Maybe some people will listen to this, but '96 there was this kind of phasing out of you know your grunge scene a little bit. You know where yeah. you know, but into like like you know Green Day had came out in like '94. So then the Offspring was around coming out around that time, and like the more faster stuff. So you were actually listening to slightly faster stuff that was punk. Yeah. Sounding on the, and then I remember listening to Outcome the Wolves. Um, not uh, one of the songs, what was it? Was it Ruby Soho or something like that? Was on the radio. So you see, what I'm saying, so there was these little hits of like punk rock kind of creeping into like somewhat of the main, main, uh, mainstream at that point. Oh, yeah. And so the, the first band we were starting, uh, that eventually turned into the seven and split was <laughs> we, the, the, that same school, they wanted us to have like a worship band. And uh, we were like, please, can we play? Yeah, that's fine. But then we would get together and play, and they were like, it's just too much. You know, you can't do this. So we just <laughs> – you, you can't – like, they didn't like the drums and the electro, electric guitars and all that kind of stuff. So we just kept playing together anyway. And then when high school was over, a couple guys went away. A couple guys came in. So it ended up being three of us. And uh, shortly after that um, – you know, just kind of goof around with some of us went to college trying to figure out what's going on. I, we made like a little demo tape and sent it off to uh, Screaming Giant Records and they like called us and pretty much signed us over the phone. I mean, and said, you know, we were, they were just looking for that kind of, you know, we were doing, you know, melodic punk, but also having a little bit of an edge to it, a little yeah. hardcore, little, you know, a little hardcore edge to it as well. We're kind of in both because we all liked it all. So we were just sort of like, oh, let's just play what we want to play. So we never really cared about like you know what if the hardcore kids don't like the punk stuff what the punk kid doesn't like the hardcore stuff right nowadays there's bands like you know day to remember and four years strong and those bands i'm like well see <laughs> so, so it's not so bad people are doing it so you know yeah. uh so yeah. so yeah so that's how that's how it all came about it was just a bunch of friends playing together you know um i remember in high school when getting punk and drublick and showing the drummer, he didn't know how to play fast at that time. EC is his name. And then I remember one day going to practice, he's like, I figured it out, man. And he's like, <laughs> showed us. He was like, we were sitting there and he started just playing so fast. And we were like, and then we just started playing. And we were like, that was it. And that's what I knew. Oh, like, man, I love that. We, we get, he was like, yeah, it's because he does like the, that triple hit thing with with one foot, you know? Right. And, uh, and I was like, oh my God, you're doing it. And just, 
and it just we started writing music like crazy it was like pretty addictive at that point you know what i mean to just make music in your mom's basement and then a couple years later turn around and seeing kids singing those same songs you wrote in your mom's basement it was just like super fulfilling yeah so, so was your like your mom did she become more okay with that kind of music but kind of as time went on or how, how did that transition the yeah i go back and look at it and i think some of the restrictions they were kind of like you know putting on us kind of thing at the time you know i, I look back all of our parents did hopefully most of our parents did the best they could yeah. and i look back and so i'm not bitter about any of that stuff i know oh, they're yeah. all just trying to figure out how to take care of you know be safe and all that kind of stuff and i think they saw that i was not waiting not trying to like i was out there trying to figure out you know, how to get a group of people together, obviously write songs, record these songs, you know, doing it. I was so just driven into it. Mm, yeah. My, I remember my dad pulled me aside and he's like, you know, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to do a band and not finish college and just do that kind of stuff, I'd just be the best punk band you can be in. Just mm, be the best. That's really cool. And yeah, so there was total, and, and pre, yeah, everybody else's parents were totally, um, supportive too especially after one the the guy who was on the screaming giant uh recordings a little bit later he his parents did put a little more pressure i think on him or maybe he did that himself i can't really remember but he felt like he needed to finish college stuff me and the drummer and then two other friends joined in the band so then we became a four-piece and then we went to then we were on new school records after that and that's when the sound really i think matured and became what it you know, you know. There's kind of two two major phases of Seven Dispo. There's a street, screaming giant phase, and there was the one that we were on the non-Christian label. But that's when everything really started to get uh, really started happening. Because that's when we were on like the Warp Tour scenes, and we got to go out and tour with so many big bands at that time. So it was just like it really started taking off at that point. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So I just want to kind of just pull it back a bit to um, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Just about. You know that upbringing story because mine is so similar to that. Um, yeah, I totally agree that when my like when my parents realized that okay maybe they don't understand you know this phase or whatever you want to call it that I was in, um, but when they saw that you know I was putting good effort into it, I was using skills that I had and and being creative and you know spending time with friends and building relationships, and I think they kind of figured out like okay this you know maybe I don't know what this is all about, but this seems to be a good fit for our son. And um, so that's, yeah, like, like you said, you know, they're all trying to do their best and, and they had no context, right? It's not like they could Google, you know, MXPX lyrics or whatever and get any kind of insight to that. So. Right. Yeah. And I can look back and see where um, at least some roots of what I was doing in the band, like the, just, just the mindset of like organizing and, and, and just certain little skills in there what i do today how like that was like part of like similar to a, i don't know if i would call it a college experience but you know what i mean it's, it's life experience or you know and uh, and i definitely learned some values back then that there was uh that helped me develop and create my company that i created now yeah was there a like a band that you saw live back then that kind of was there a band that you had seen live that made you um, you know, kind of want to start a band or how did you know that was even a thing kind of besides just playing with your friends? Well, first of all, before seeing like a professional band, I remember being in seventh grade and I went to, they just had a talent show and 
two kids, like a drummer and a guitar player just played like, you know, a Metallica song and they were near the end of the, the talent show. Um, and by the way, this is when I was not a very short time. I was not in a Christian school. So I, I got exposed to a little more, you know, uh, that kind of stuff then. Um, just very few years. Uh, my parents tried out, you know, not going to Christian school. Um, anyways, I'm at that talent show and they did it last. They played me. They made, they had them play last cause I guess they didn't know how the people would react to it. Sure enough. I don't know what happened, but kids like started like moshing and I'd never seen that before in mm. seventh grade. And they kept playing. And then they, they turned off the sound, but the drummer kept playing and the kids <laughs> kept going. Awesome. And then eventually like parents were all running down there and teachers. And I didn't do that, but I sat back. I was like in one of the like seats in the stand yeah. watching that go down. And I'm like, I want to cause um, people to react. You know what I mean? Yeah, awesome. I, I loved it. I loved that those kids had the guts to, to do that in seventh grade and keep playing and not just stop. You know, they, you felt like that was their one time they could just be like, you know, rebellious or something through music, I guess. I don't know what it was. I was just, I just liked that they yeah. were doing, they were playing music. It caused people to move and lose their mind. You know, at least that's the way my mind, that way, that's the way I remember it. Yeah. And then, then, uh, they opened up a venue. Um, you, I don't know if you remember, do you remember, uh, was squad five Oh and spud gun and all those guys are on a, a record label called, uh, uh bulletproof. Great, bulletproof the guys who started bulletproof started a venue first in our town okay. they were from our town and so i went there and it was like who was it it was plank guy was playing one night in front of like literally 18 people and like it was like on a weeknight and i was like please can i go see this band whatever and i think now that i can remember i remember them saying they were on Tooth and Nail Records, and then I looked into Tooth and Nail, and that's how I found an XPX. Oh, okay. But yeah, and then so they moved that venue down the street, um, the same guys, and then every weekend it felt like there was, I felt like I saw MXPX play there four times in one year because wow. they were way back in the day and around the teenage politics time they were just touring, they were like nonstop on the road. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just driving around. So they would, Atlanta's like, ties the whole South together. So if they're going to go pretty much anywhere on there, you're going to run through there. So they would just keep playing. Like we just saw them three months ago and they come back again and they would bring value pack with them one time and like slick shoes another and 90, 90 pound was another time. So, you know, so it's just immediately being exposed to all those bands. Well, before we were screaming giant records, of course I was like, man, can I get on bulletproof at, uh, they they would always let us we were always playing those shows so they let us open for some of those bands so that's kind of how in the atlanta scene how we got pretty well known yeah um but our first non-christian show ever my favorite band ever is uh strung out and they're on oh, fat man. records if you know they're one of my favorites. like i love them yeah and so I went down to the venue where they were going to play i heard they were playing at this venue a 700 person venue i uh um, and I talked to the person there. I was like, look, and I didn't have a tape. I didn't have any kind of demo. I didn't have any way for them to hear us. But I said, look, this is my favorite band of all time, whatever. I've, have you guys ever played some shows? Yeah, we play the people from, you know, Bulletproof Records shows. But they uh, but that, but that, they knew that was like a Christian club. You know what I mean? So they were like, well, look, we get a bunch of those kids to come down here. You put out some flyers. Yeah, 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 no problem. Okay, we'll be here this time on that day, whatever. And they just 
they didn't even hear our band. They just said, yeah, you could open for strung out. So our wow. first, like our first, like I don't say real show. That sounds like our first, like Atlanta show where the Atlanta kids really got to hear us. And it was like the non-Christian scene was opening for my favorite band of all time, which is strung out. Yeah, so that was like, heavy. yeah. And so the, all those things kind of just kept, kept coming together. And, um, we just kind of like, you know, kept growing and growing from all that. You know, and I just kept, I just always had a drive to always be calling these clubs, be like, you know, I, we want to open for them or what can we do? What can we do? I just went, I do my, find that fine line between pestering them and being proactive, you know? Yeah. So, so you were kind of the guy in the band that was just kind of all in or were, were the rest of the guys like that as well? Or you were kind of the, well, the head of that? Yeah. Well, again, there's certain skills that helps with, like where I am now. So in other words, I learned that just because someone's not as passionate out, someone might be more introvert where I might be extrovertly passionate. In other words, they might be all in, in a different way or a different feeling. In other words, some of the guys, while I'm sitting here booking shows and doing all the business in, they're tearing out all the, all the seats in the van built bolting couches down building a queen size loft, you know? Yeah, so yeah. their version, their version was, you know, getting the van ready for like being on the road for like, we were on the road, I don't say six years straight, but one year we were out for about nine months collectively. Cause you know, you start in Atlanta, go up to New York, come back down, take about a week off and then do these loops. Right. So all together in one year, we were gone for like nine months out of the year. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, so some of the guys would, would do that. Um, one of my really good friends, he actually works here at Terminus with me now, John Walker. He was the other guitarist in the band. Yeah, he was yeah. excellent. He was excellent at really just connecting with people. Um, I'm always good. I'm good with connecting with all kinds of people, but I'm talking more business. He would be the back when, you know, God, even before Facebook, I mean, there's all these different kind of like sprouting kind of social media stuff. So he's always emailing people and going on forums and talking to them about our band. So he was like the digital version of what I was doing in real life. Yeah. You know? So we all had our little parts that meant that we were all in. So I would never go back and say I was more than somebody else because you don't know where their mind's at, you know? Yeah, and I didn't mean necessarily more, but just I, I hear it lots with bands that, you know, one guy is kind of, you know, the go-to for all the social stuff and the rest, you know, they just kind of want to play. They don't necessarily care about, you know, right. like the hustle part of it. But so, I, yeah, I'm just always intrigued to kind of hear you know, the stories of, of those that you know, right, going and knocking on doors and just making it happen because that's how it was back then. Like you said, there's no social media. You want to get on a show, you go and show up and say, hey, this is who I am. And right. So that's, I, I just love oh, yeah. that era and just hearing kind of how, how bands made that happen. So, but uh, yeah, could you kind of like starting from when you, when you signed with Screaming Giants, like what's like, what age were you guys then? Let's see. We were, um, we would have been, well, that was 1996. No, no, I'm sorry. I, I graduated in 96. I'm sorry. In 99 is when we like signed with them and the album trial by stone came out right at the end. They were almost leading into 2000. And then, and then later 2000, an EP on screaming giant came out. And then right after the EP came out, um, Dan left the band and then two years later, we signed with uh, New School Records. So and then we had two full links come out on New School Records. So you guys were all yeah. out of high school when, like, kind of when you started touring full time. Yeah, I yes, everybody is. 
uh, yes, everyone but myself. I graduated in 96, and everybody else graduated in 98. So they were all 19 years old, and I was 21 okay. when we started, you know, something like that. And then, um, yeah, and then by the time John and Aaron were in the band, I would have been like 23 or so, and, you know, everybody was 21 or so at the time when we were the, like the on new school records. So, yeah. So, yeah, so it's something in that range, right out of high school up to like 23. Um, years old you know is how old i was so when we were getting serious and how did that transition from uh, screaming giant to new school go what's kind of what was going on with that yeah um some of it i don't really understand the back end of what happened it was just kind of one of those phone calls where everybody's released out of their, their record label, record contract and they have a record contract i think we had to do like one more maybe two albums i don't really know but um they they were just like yeah they're um the guy uh, who owned Screaming Giant Records, you know, he owned like also owned a landscaping company, and he was having some problems. He uh, uh, he also owned the TV show G Rock. Oh yeah, if you yeah. remember that show back yeah. in the day. Yeah, so we got exposure just for being on labeled TV wise all the time. So that was good. Um, but then I don't know if it had something to do with TBN not wanting to do G Rock anymore. I don't really remember the the exact like this is why it's stopping. But um, yeah, so it was just kind of like okay, well that's fine. And then we put out we actually did put out another EP in between, and we put out we called it the indie EP, um, and that was just you know a couple songs went in to record that we were working on, and uh, we toured just moving around. So still, your screaming giant fans were coming around, and we went to Oregon to go play. We were on a compilation that we were asked to be on on musical records and we were coming through and he booked us a show. We hung out with him and he was like, you know, you wanted, why don't we just sign you guys? And we were the next ones they signed on new school. So did you guys ever have thoughts of like, you'd mentioned seeing tooth and nail bands. Like, had you guys tried getting on tooth and nail or was there any kind of movement in that? There was, by that time we had toured with so many different tooth and nail bands and had done that, that we were, I don't know what it was too, is if, if I was just trying to be positive all the time, I mean, I tried to do my best, but sometimes people would be negative. You know, everybody, you always hear people be negative about some record label they were right, on, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. I'd never, I never had this expectation because I think there's a big difference between goals and expectations. My idea was always on progression and growth. Yeah. And I've also found out and also learned this in businesses that, you're not, if you try to duplicate someone else's path, it doesn't necessarily always work out. You know, it actually often doesn't work out. Yeah. For it's sure. just because every, there's just too many different variants, variables and whatnot. And we got to the point through new school records where we started doing, uh, showcases for like, uh, Island records. Um, our friends, you know, uh, we played well, like thrice and they got to Island and yeah, we've been on wow. tour with like, uh, we, uh, yellow card was getting, got signed to uh, lobster records. Then went to like the like Capitol records or something like that. After that, So all these bands that we were, they were moving to something even more than that. So we, we would, we would just go do these like label showcases sometimes. And we would just keep playing and, and just kind of not be, we were never really afraid of like, are we doing the right thing? I don't remember anyone ever being like, if we, if we don't get on this label or this label, what, do, you know, what does it mean? You know, we, we just kept growing and meeting people and really focused on friendships we were making on the road. Um, yeah. And we, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but we recently released, we actually recently released two new songs. Um, yeah. I saw that. The, yeah. The, the first ones, um, 
It's called The Messenger Has Fallen. And uh, that one is actually about what we just talked about, what I just talked about, uh, about really noticing, you know, just the friend, you know, missing hanging out with people and the yeah. amount of times that, amount of times we stayed up way too late and barely felt you know, alive to drive the next day to the next show because we were having so much fun hanging out after the shows with people. So that was, I love doing the shows, but I think hanging out with the people was just as much gratifying as well. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you guys had a pretty good setup, you know, just like relationship wise, you know, you hear so many times of bands that, you know, they spend months and months on end in a van together and, you know, they end up breaking up just because they can't stand each other. So what was it about you guys that, you know, you could just work so hard and spend so much time together and tour so much and, and still succeed at that. I think it was that we were such good friends and just understood each other's humor. I think there's that level of, we were just worked so well together. Maybe a part of that was just the way it all came together. The other part of it is, I think one of my, uh, I guess, I don't know if you call it talent or skills here is, is to, really i'm in more into marketing that's what i really do so i'm really always very attentive and do my best to, to understand people and communicate with them the best i can on their level so i knew very well how how to have the same conversation with all the different guys in the band yeah. um and, and and really make make it so we we're on the same page or, or like just talking and having a good time even if somebody is having a rough day and being a little grumpy or whatever we would figure ways to to you know goof around and bring them out of it or just let them sleep it off, you know, and just, they'd be fine in a couple hours after they get some rest, you know? Yeah. So it, um, the, um, all of our parents had the same mentality as my dad. That's another thing to say too. Nobody was ever, you know, even, yeah, no one was ever feeling the pressure of like, my mom and dad don't want me to do this anymore. And then when things started getting serious with certain people with girlfriends, I was the first one to get married and I still toured years after being married yeah. and never once did, my wife put pressure that maybe I shouldn't be touring. Mm. So I've always either a communicated with people very clearly about what, what I wanted to do and my intent and B they believe that too. And they wanted the best for what I wanted to do. So I just surrounded myself with people like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's such a huge part of it, right? When you have a good support system and it helps you get through those, you know, those tough stretches. Yeah. I'd love to hear about what some of those standout tours were from, from back then, like you mentioned, you you know you played with lots of tooth and nail bands, and even you know, like bands like Thrice and Yellow Card. What? Um, yeah, the the Huntington's actually were my favorite, all of our favorites. Like I, I, I could speak for everybody in the band. We did so many tours with the Huntington's where we probably business wise, all both their band and our band probably should have been doing a tour together and go do something else for a minute. Maybe eventually do another tour together, kind of thing. Yeah, but we did like four or five tours together some of them back to back it got to the point where some people in our hometown thought they were from georgia you know like, like no they're from like delaware and like you know philadelphia and all that stuff yeah um so we they just became such best friends with us um same with a uh, sidewalk slam that became run kid yeah. run yeah yeah um we all all three of us would tour a lot together those three the fellow group of people so I think maybe those shows were so big sometimes because there was a sense of a community rolling around in the United States. Like we were all, there's a bunch of guys who were like, we're going to have fun tonight, even if you kids aren't. So yeah. <laughs> here we go. And were those um, tours like fairly successful or what was it like back then? Um, yes. Some of them were really successful. Some of them um, by, you know, 
by financial reasons, you would say they weren't, um, or there might be only way less kids coming out to this one show than the next, but you have good days to balance that out. Um, so it, you know, I just go back and look at how much fun we had and it made people gravitate to all of us. So I think that's what happened. Cause I would rather play a show for 50 or hundred kids that are flipping out versus 500 kids that are just staring at you. Oh, yeah, you know, like, sure. So we worked, I think that since the community made, made it almost every night, like I had fun. I can't really think of too, too many shows where I was look back and I was like, can this show just be over please? Yeah. So, so, and, and also we had a mentality. We talk about it all the time and on the road being like, you know, it's not their fault. Say 10 kids came and they all paid money to see you. They didn't know there was only going to be 10 kids and they paid the right amount that they were told to. Yeah, yeah, that's good so at it. we would like, be like, well, we we're going to do our best we can with, with those, with those kids. You know what I mean? So, and not really be like, you know, I didn't never want them to feel like, man, this band's a bunch of jerks because they just didn't, they weren't fun live. That's what they would have taken from that. They would have not have known. I understand because no one's here. They would have just seen people have bad attitudes probably. So yeah. we would, we, we just would always remind ourselves of being like, you know, what, you know, just to have fun. And, you know, there was times where, um, some of our opportunities came out of like things I could look back and be like, that show wasn't that awesome. But then, a member from another band was in town. There's a band called over it. that used to be on lobster records oh, yeah. for a minute. Yeah, I love them. And they saw us and they said, I love what you guys are doing. We, you know, we played for a very small amount of kids in Fairfax and then they called back and they said, would you guys come up on your next tour? And we booked with them to play. Like, I can't remember where we played. It was like a gym or something, but there was like 700 kids there. Wow. But if we would have had bad, if we would have been jerks in front of like a low amount of people, that wouldn't possibly not have happened. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's how you you grew back then, right? It's like we're doing this regardless. We're playing, you know, a hundred shows or whatever, and so if it's good, awesome. If it's not, well, it's still what we want to be doing, and it's still exposure. And like you said, you know, you know those kids still have a right to see a good band play. Like it's not not their fault. So, but yeah, I would love to hear kind of what influenced your guys' sound because you you know. Even as I go back and listen, you guys had such a, a unique sound for, um, you know, for that era because it was, you know, skate punk, but also influences of metal and melodic hardcore. And, and so I just, mm -hmm. I love that, you know, when I, I was just listening to uh, Kill the Messenger today and, and just really, really loving all the different kind of influences, you know, a song would come on and I was like, oh, I wonder kind of what influenced this or... So what were like? Was it just that all you guys had different influences, or you just kind of wrote whatever sounded good, or what was the thought behind that? Yeah, um, one thing. Yeah, so as far as the influences is, is is that I can look back and think that, you know, our guitarist Aaron loved um, all different kind of metal bands and the Christian and stuff like, and the Christian scene stuff like Zayo and and what and uh or like democracy maybe like evergreen terrace or something like that yeah and then and then you've got um you know ec uh the drummer liked you know no effects a lot but he also liked deftones you know so there's there's mm. something in there um i like you know really like the more of the fat records like your lag wagon um and strung out no use for name kind of stuff yeah. And John Walker, John Walker liked the same, but he also liked Christina Aguilera as well. So it's like, you know, there was just no, we just, when we wrote, we never were like, 
sometimes we'd be like, oh, you know, the the part that sounds kind of like, you know, Kill Switch Engage, but then when it goes into like the Blink Way 2 ish part that ended up with like the Christine, Christina Aguilera, uh, you know, part at the end there. Like, yeah, yeah, that song, you know, so when you're writing a song. <laughs> so it's like, we just never cared to, um, to, to have a format that we were trying to duplicate. We were just having fun yeah. and just writing interesting parts. Because one thing is that there's a lot of straightforward melodic stuff, but then we'd hit some really technical parts sometimes. Like we would, a song would have so many different, you know, levels of really fast, the mid pace to, to a breakdown to really slow for a second, then back. So it was very all of, we, we, we wanted to be like a roller coaster ride. Yeah. You know, and, and, and have a lot of dynamic, you know, and I still write music like that with Courage to Your Heart is like more of like a, uh, you know, I got to still write music. So it's, uh, I've never even played a show as Courage to Your Heart, but we record all the time. Yeah. Oh, so. so good. Yeah. Well, how, how did that, so maybe, maybe that's jumping ahead, but how did, how did that come about? Like you're just, just still needed to write and wanted to do something with a different name or. Yeah, I had a, um, it's, it's, it's kind of a really kind of crazy, deep or crazier story there, but I had, um, you know, I mean, part of it had to do with, you know, belief stuff and not, um, you, I don't know if you've noticed this, but you have a lot of the old school or to us old school, the kids we grew up around, right. they were hardcore Christian kids. They, a lot of them got, became angry atheists, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I never went to an angry atheist phase <laughs> at all. Um, I went to a, actually much more, um, I don't know, a much more deeper phase. Actually, I went, I was like, well, they're, I was like, people are getting mad about something. They've, I understand they feel like in some, maybe they feel duped or they feel, um, tricked or they feel, uh, repressed or whatever they're feeling they got mad about. Yeah. But I just got, I learned that whenever people feel that way, it's usually because of a misunderstanding of sorts. Yeah. So I got, I got extra curious and started, I guess, going down some sort of rabbit hole of learning about, uh, well, I, I would either drive around, listen to punk rock stuff or like psych lectures, like psych, like deep, like, like Carl Jung and like Nietzsche. And I just got into philosophy stuff and just, but, but stuff that was definitely, I liked the stuff that was based around, uh, Christianity in some way. So that way I could hear like either just their thoughts to the deep stuff that's in, in the Bible that no one ever thought of. And I started like breaking my mind on purpose, like, mm. like, like, like just, uh, just wanting to look for stuff. And I felt like I started seeing stuff. Um, well, I started having thoughts about things I used to think, and then they would morph and I start to see them much more clearer. Um, and realize that, you know, that, you know, the whole story, especially from a Christian standpoint is, 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 is so interesting. It's going to be way more intense than what we think. And then, um, so I started writing music about, um, it's really all the songs go together. It's an alternate dimension kind of thing. There's multi dimensions in all the songs. And I start realizing how, how all the different choices we make, you know, kind of make all these different possible outcomes. So I started writing songs about that, not from a level of regret, but out of a level of curiosity. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and also started playing with some ideas that were um, a little taboo. Uh, growing. If like, 
yeah, like if we would have talked about this stuff when back in the day, I think I'm, I might have been, you know, kicked out of the Christian scene, you know, right. because it's not that I was ever saying anything that's wrong. I just, I like what if questions. And I yeah, remember sure. the, what I, and I remember talking to that, uh, that teacher that I told you about. And I came up with that. And I was like, well, on the fly, I was like, is it the most worldly thing? The suit, you know, that, that what I said before, well, that was like, I realized those were already in my head. Those like deeper questions of like playing around with like something doesn't make sense in what we were told. And I realized that everyone's afraid and everybody's mm. terrified and everybody needs there to be like this. Everybody needs to make sure they go to heaven. They're terrified of the alternate. Right. So, so I realized that what if, what if most of the stuff we learned growing up was rooted in fear, not, not, mm. So I went back to, so I went back to kind of deal with that. And so I tell people all the time that courage to your heart is my divorce letter to fear. Mm, yeah. So I, I, and I don't want anybody to get concerned when they're listening to it. Cause there's songs about definitely certain people dying and there's songs in there about people getting divorces and stuff like that. There's all kind of really tough subject matters I cover in there. And it's, and it's all real. It's influenced by, it's like a one story, but it's all people I know and friends that have influenced it. I just don't name any names. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but there's some heavy stuff in there um, that uh, I just felt like I needed to document at least my thoughts some way. And I just knew how to do it through music. It's very hard writing courage arts stuff because there's so much to say and, and you realize how, how short punk rock songs are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so uh, but yeah, so there's there's all kinds of stuff in there. So there's been re a recent kind of thing where I know I've caused some controversies. I've had even old seven to split fans kind of get upset about some of the stuff I'm saying in there, or even on my Instagram for Curse Your Heart and stuff like that. There's lots of kind of like lyrical memes that I like to make just from an artistic standpoint. Yeah. Uh, and I just play around with ideas and it's just, uh, I'm not afraid to think about anything. Mm. So, yeah, man, that's awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah, that's that's powerful stuff. That's really cool to hear that insight. It makes me really excited to go back and, and re-listen to the album and, and just kind of listen to the words a bit more. And Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I, I had this idea that it was like, what if, uh, I just wanted, what if, some some people are like, man, that's the weird questions. What, like, what if, you know, should a Christian be asking these questions? Almost like that's the vibe. I get they don't really say it that way. Right. But that's what the vibe I get from it. And I'm like, my whole thing is, at the end of the day, I'm going to believe truth, no matter what it is. Yeah. Like, that's bottom line. Because I don't get to dictate what true is. True is truth, whether we all think it is or not. Right. And I'm and I'm okay with it being absolutely nothing that we were taught when we were growing up, all the way to even more than what we were taught. You know, even more deeper and crazier and bigger. Um, yeah, I don't it's like, I don't care what the truth is. I just can't, I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, you know? just, there's, there's a lot to that. I mean, we could yeah, go down a whole another rabbit hole of that, but um, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that insight. That's, that's the kind of stuff I, I love hearing, right? That you just, I would never know that by just, you know, following social media or, or even going through the lyrics. Like I might not take that, you know, just from my own understanding or whatever. So that's awesome. So what, yeah, with, with, Oh, real, real quick with uh, the Cruiser Heart stuff too is like I, it's it's so some of it feels a little cryptic. Like I said, you're having to kind of cram 
like an idea into a song almost because you're running out of time in a song, you know? Um, But I use a lot of analogies. Like there's one really uh, one of my favorite ones. If you want to check out, it's called, it's called shallowed be thy name is the name of it. Mm. And I just, that waking up process that I'm talking, you know, that I felt like I've been going through, uh, I documented in that song, but I tell it from the story of, it's really, I use the story of Pinocchio in that song Hmm. about, you know, realizing that you're cutting the strings that bound you, but you're not quite real yet, but you know, you're becoming real. And it's about, Hmm. and, and about, and I keep saying in the lyrics in that song about, um, about, uh, going to find the, uh, the creator that's inside the monster. Cause that's referring to Geppetto being inside the whale at the end of the story. But, uh, I feel, I felt this weird feeling that God's buried underneath everything we were told. Mm-hmm. So, so it's to go find that it's like it, now God needs his own savior. Now Jesus needs us to go find him. And so he once found us. Now it's time for us to go find him. Yeah. So, so that's pretty heavy stuff. So after you listen, I would love to hear your thoughts because it's, uh, it's a pretty important song for me. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely will. Man. Yeah. So what what brought the kind of end of Seven Ten Splits? You know, touring or like I know you guys are kind of back now. Did you ever officially break up, or you just kind of stopped touring and? Took yeah, 10 but years we off definitely or? officially we had, we definitely officially broke up. We had a last show and everything. I think what really looking back, what really caused kind of like the the breakup is I believe every band eventually gets to, or every person, no matter what phase of your life is, um, there's some sort of make it or break it thing that happens. And so what happened was, is that when you realize that that community that we were talking about before was starting to, um, not go away, but it was just not as prominent because we were doing so many, you know, uh, record label showcases. We were looking for the next level of progression. Hmm. Um, and, you know, what, looking back, at, if we wanted to continue, it probably would have been best to change our band name and just do something a little different or something like that. Maybe yeah. not. I don't know. I just we're trying to figure out because at that phase, what I think was really going on is the record companies were starting to realize the demise <laughs> that was coming. Yeah. So they were signing ba- bands left and right. So you you would turn around and all your friends felt like they were getting signed to you know, like I said before, you, you know, with yellow card and all these different dudes we used to play with that, you know, they go into capital, this guy's going on an Island. And, you know, we met with lava, right? We got to play, we did three different label showcases, I think, or was it two or three? And just a few months at CBGB's, wow. like we never played CBGB's before in our whole life. And then within one year we played there three times. That's awesome. For, mainly for record label people that were like in the room. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was just kind of like, I don't know. I just had this feeling. I was like, I just don't know if all of us are going to look on a poster in some kid's room, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, or tiger beat magazine or something like that. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, So, um, I just, I don't know. I I think I remember, uh, so in those times when you go tour some of the big bands or play a warp tours, you have, you start experiencing more and more shows where the people are staring at you instead of engaging. Right. Um, and I just, I don't know that you started feeling, is this really what I want to do? And I don't know, this is, might sound cheesy, but I remember, you know, remember I was married, so I came home and the two little dogs that we had at the time, they were freaking out. I was gone for a long time on that tour. It was like six weeks straight. I came home, they were at the door just freaking out. And I was like, man, 
I just walked in the door and these things are freaking out for me and my wife's happy to see me and all this stuff. And it's just like, I'm kind of tired of like convincing people to like me on the yeah. road. So I just, you know, it was kind of that. It was just a phase of uh, maybe there's the end of that phase of my life. But again, after doing sort of my company, Brighton Secures Your Heart stuff, that people started noticing, oh, somebody from Seven is supposed to write more music. And I noticed how many people were showing up for the Curious Your Heart stuff. So John Walker, the guitar player, moved back to Atlanta. And EC and Aaron's always lived here. And it just kind of was a perfect timing. So we um, played a reunion show. And we got to uh, Andrew WK was coming back in. He hadn't been here in 10 years. So he asked us to open for him wow. again. We used, we used to do we used to do shows with him. Yeah, that's crazy. And um, so our first like? show. But it was awesome. The reunion show being like, it was on a Monday night too. It was sold out. And the whole, like half the crowd was our friends. And it was just like everybody singing the songs. And it's an amazing venue in Atlanta they opened up called Terminal West. And this thing has like, dude, it's like laser light show going on. But the cool thing is, is the guy running the light show was one of our fans back in the day. So he wow. knew all our songs. So he was programming the breakdowns and everything. Like he knew where all the stops were. And he just loved, you yeah. know, he knew our music. Yeah, so it's like, I went back and looked at the video. Sometimes when you're on stage with really good production like that, you don't get to see it like everybody right. else does. Cause you're looking the other way. Yeah. But then you go back and look at the video and you're like, I got chills. I was like, man, there's thing the, the lasers are firing every single time we go into a, like this part of the song and this, that, and the other. And you know what I mean? It was just like over the top. It was like silly almost feeling because I'm used to playing in a hole in the wall with like a couple of can lights on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and it sounded immaculate too. So it was just like, kind of felt like if you're going to come back, I mean, it's like give everybody the best looking and sounding show possible, you know? Oh, right. Is and then we just, and then we just wrote wrote, wrote those songs too, and just kind of. Well, one of them's an a, or the, one of them's an actual uh, song we wrote, and the other one's a cover of that um, uh, Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper song from the movie Shallow. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. It was like the main song from the from it, which is funny because got people on YouTube love that. I was just really I was testing from a marketing standpoint. What happens when you just drop like a. You know, I have the ability at Terminus, uh, my company, to record. That's how I record all this music. Yeah. So we have a media department. Okay. So I just stay late. I just stay late and just record. So, yeah, that's uh, awesome. So, yeah, so we just, like, recorded that really quick, put it out, you know, to see. And then people love to hear it, you know, that we put it out that fast, too. So Yeah. I just put uh, 710 Split Live on YouTube, and all I'm getting is stinking bowling videos. <laughs> I know. If you is put there any band, footage It's of weird that? because, oh, man, probably... This is another thing that we probably should have fixed way back in the day because you didn't think about um, search engines as much as you do nowadays. But uh, some people would spell it. We actually know even on our T-shirts, we would spell out 710, like the full uh, oh, letters. Yeah, yeah, right. And then sometimes 7-10. And then sometimes we had one shirt that had X's, like the old school punk style, like 7X. So oh, it's yeah. like, it's like, how which which way is it written? So I think, I think number seven dash the number 10 split. Okay. Yeah. Then, some more stuff came up here when I put that in. So yeah, I'll have to check. That yeah. Out. Yeah. So it's, it's all over the place. Like what's happened there. We were thinking search engine optimization back then. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. You <laughs> just have a, you know, you still have that outlet and cause you know, like I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat, you know, I played in a touring band years ago and like, I just missed that creative outlet and, I just don't have that now, so it's nice to you know for you to be able to 
still have that studio space and have the guys available to to jam and write with and be creative. Oh yeah, it's real fun. So do you guys plan on like still releasing kind of just singles here and there kind of thing? We're always talking about it. Our drummer is the tour production manager for T-Pain now. Nice. So so he is like, when are you going to be in home with Miss? When is Mister Payne bringing you back? Um, <laughs> and uh, so we've been trying to convince T Payne to let us do like, like um, let us be his backup band, do like a rock version of his songs or yeah, something. Man, that'd be hilarious. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really more, um, you know, getting the time for everybody to get together. Uh, EC's the only one with kids. Um, everybody. Almost everybody's married. Um, Sean Walker has a really awesome, serious girlfriend, so that's good. Um, but yeah, it's just you know. And then we, me and Joe Walker, work so much at Terminus. It's like we're always like, dude, we got to do it. And then it's like we get so slammed, you know, just pulling everybody together. Right. Um, do we have enough to write more and more and more? So we should just do it. So yeah, well, it's hard to find the time. Like you said, you're busy with business stuff and you know, trying to prioritize. You know creative freedom stuff with you know making a living and doing something else you're passionate about so but i mean at least at least it's an option right it's yeah and you know what's funny and then when you get in that mode like let's do it and then we go in there and do it it feels so like meditative if that means like is that the way i say it meditative yes uh you know what i mean you're like you're just in your zone and like nothing else matters while you're recording that stuff. And it's just like, it's, it's a great way to clear your mind. So you're like, dude, we should be doing this all the time. Cause I feel like I'm more efficient at work because I get to like have a little mini vacation on a Thursday night recording, you know, is what it feels like. Right. So it's like, we just need to do it because we, that you feel so much better after you create. Yeah. Oh, you for know? sure. Yeah, well, man, I feel like I could just keep going and keep asking questions, but we're going to wrap it up here. I'd love to hear uh, your top three bands or albums kind of in uh, in wrapping up here. Sure. Um, is this of all time? Is this new? Which, which, uh, uh, which, let's, do, let's do a top three of all time and a current top three because I always like to see kind of where people came from and what they're into now. Sure. Uh, I would say for me uh top three of all time would be strung out twisted by design mm. would be my number one yeah um okay. i would put counting crows august and everything after nestled in there hmm. interesting i yep yeah. and then um man if i gotta add another one to it what's it gonna be um i'm probably gonna go petra <laughs> Yeah, I probably should. I need to go back. Man, that stuff's probably on. I haven't listened to that in so long. Maybe I need to go listen to it and come back and be like, yep, it's definitely Petra. <laughs> um, but um, no, I think, uh, gosh, man, I love um, the Let's Talk About Feelings by Lagwagon. Oh, I love yeah. that album a whole, whole lot. Um, but yeah, and Thrice Artist from the Ambulance, like, like that's a good one. So yeah. it's like. The, that's the problem with having the all time stuff because they shift, but you know, a little bit, you yeah. know, left and right. Oh, yeah, but, for sure. um, yeah, I would say definitely the, there's, there's reasons for those top two just because of nostalgia reasons. Um, but the third one is just really hard for me to pin down, uh, for sure. Um, but I would go ahead and just say, let's talk about feelings for lag writing because I love it so much. Yeah. yeah. And how about some current favorites? Current favorites. See, that's where it gets weird. Cause I'm like, just, 
here's a near, weird, interesting thing when I'm listening, by the way, I'll throw a little caveat in there. When I'm writing stuff, I'm listening to so much weird stuff that it's like, and I realize I love stuff that I would have never listened to. Like back when I was doing uh, Cures Your Heart, I went through this, like a three days where I listened to nothing but Michael Bolton. Wow. Like, you know what I mean? But it helped me understand how to do certain, like, like different kind of uh, melodies that I was not usually used to doing. Yeah. Well, um, sure. Yeah. Actually, I went, um, I would go back on that lagwing and, and put right beside lagwing. I probably would put, you know, the homecoming by Craig's brother right oh, next to man. that too. Cause they, cause they were, we toured with them a good bit too. So it was like, they're, you know, that, that was a really, they were one of the first bands that were, were like, I guess I don't say not a Christian band, but kind of, I guess I'm yeah, going to yeah. say that they kind of like, l- let me see. Oh, cool. The non-Christian kids will like us too. If we're not on a Christian label, you know what yeah. I mean? Because we were like, you know, not, not all of our songs were really, most of our songs weren't like hard, like definitely Christian songs. Like we were just, you know, writing what we want to write. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, anyways, so current, uh, God, man, I've been listening to, there's an album called, I think Carrie and Lowell by Suffragan Stevens, which is Cat Stevens son. It's all like mainly acoustic kind of stuff. I, I, mean, I don't know. I've been listening to that a whole lot yeah. just because it's so weird and interesting to me. Um, but uh, definitely that one there, and uh, God, man, I I still go back and listen to. I'll just put. Uh, I'll say every other Yellow Card album because <laughs> I have my theory on you. I've, we have this running Yellow Card joke where uh, you put out um, what is it, uh, Ocean Avenue, whatever that was on right. that album, and then and then they put out the next one. Where you're like, what are you guys doing? This is, this doesn't sound like Yellow Card. They came back and did. Uh, the other one is just back and forth. They would sound like, yeah, you right, know, yeah. and then go back. Yeah, I totally to, know what you mean. So, so start with uh, ocean Avenue and then back and forth between every album after that. I like all the ocean Avenue side ones, right. <laughs> if you will. Yeah. So I love that band still to this day. Um, they're great. Um, and then I guess, uh, so we'll just lump them all together as a catalog, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And then, um, and <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of, a lot of gym blossoms. I don't uh, No, I'll change this one. I have been listening to that at the midnight. They're a retro wave or synth wave band that are actually all dudes actually playing instruments. Okay. So there's not, so they're not like just playing a Mac and everybody just doing their thing. They actually, if you're hitting an instrument, there's a, might be digital, but there's somebody playing it. Yeah. I think I have that. What's that album called? They got a couple oh. of them. Um, the newest one is either called not, is it nocturnal or something like that? Maybe that's not the right one, but they're called the Midnight. Also, a band called Gunship that sounds really cool, okay. like them. So, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm like one thing I'm noticing real quick about that synth or the retro wave stuff that's going on right now with that specific style. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but you know what I'm talking about when you say like, if I say like a Fat Records band, you kind of know what oh, yeah. the feeling I'm talking about, yeah. or or that at least that wave of Tooth and Nail and like Value Pack, Goatee Hook. MXPX, you kind of know what I'm talking about. Yeah. This is the first time in a long time that I felt like there's a weird niche specific thing. Cause if you go look up this stuff, you might find tons and tons of just DJs. Right. Yeah. But there's this group that's going on right now in that scene. That's all playing the actual, um, the actual instruments, all the lyrics are serious. They actually sound like, like they could be like folk songs if they weren't electronic, like yeah. they're really, really meaningful lyrics. So uh, there's something interesting going on that is catching my attention. So I'm just curious if it's going to be like, is this new like digital 
vibe that's going to make kids feel like we felt about fat records and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you listen to the band Tycho at all? Yeah, I have. I've heard. I haven't. Don't you know, know the songs off my head, but they're. I've seen them pop up, and I know I've listened to their stuff okay. before. Like I know it's not really a synth wave; it's a bit more, um, kind of that instrumental electronic. They do have some singing, but they, you know, they play all their instruments too. So they just came yeah. to mind. But but man, all the and all this, I got a playlist I made on on you on uh, Spotify, so I can keep up with this stuff. So I can. But the names of these bands are so hilarious. Like if you're just to get into it, listen to like like you said, there's Gunship, The Midnight, you got The Bad Dreamers, you got Time Cop 1982. Yeah. No, Time Cop Time Cop 1983. Uh, you got Prism, Wolf Club. Yeah, so it's I was just, just like say I got this Wolf Club Frontiers album here on my iTunes. Yeah. Yeah, that one's the new one in Frontier is really cool too. So I don't know. I'm kind of like liking this stuff, man. And I'm, I'm like, usually that's not what I would like. Usually, I didn't never think that. Like, I would usually, oh, that's cool. Somebody's like doing that, a drive soundtrack with uh, Ryan Gosling. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. But I was like, cool, everything feels 80s. You know what I mean? And right. those kind of like retro movies. But this one actually feels like people are writing songs. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of paying attention and digging it a little bit, man. So. But yeah, but anyways, man, I do appreciate you having me on, man. It's, it's, it means a lot to have this conversation. Anytime you want to have another round, man, I'll talk to you about anything. Yeah, no, no, I love that. I would, I would absolutely love to do that. Where can, uh, if people want to check out, uh, either Courage to Your Heart or 710 Split or any of that kind of stuff, where can they find you? Yeah, well, on, on all the, um, <clears throat> that's one, one cool thing is I use some of my connections from back in the day and got distribution for all this stuff I'm doing. So on all, anywhere we can download or stream any kind of music, you can hear the 710. Um, you can hear the, 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 the new school records, 710 split stuff. Right. And, and uh, the two new songs on like everywhere that's streaming. If I'm not mistaken, screaming, somebody at screaming giant went and uploaded on SoundCloud, the old, 17 split stuff so you can go there to hear like the old screaming giant stuff oh, there i think it's on um, band camp too that's where i got it that might be where it's at actually you might be right about that yeah and then curse your heart's pretty much everywhere i got the courage to your heart full length um there's a tom petty cover up there on oh, nice. spotify yeah you can check that as a curse your heart song and then i've got a new ep we're almost done recording right now so um i'll probably put that out after the first of the year <laughs>